0: Sunday, so the night before this episode drops. And uh, I've been very, very busy the last few weeks. Um, not few weeks, I guess the last week and a half. I've been hitting open mics pretty hard. Uh, like every single day, I would do at least one a day. Um, and, you know, it, it, was, it was intense. Um, I realized that like my body was not able to keep up with that intensity um, and my immune system did crash. I did get COVID tested. I am negative, I'm fine. Um, But like now that we're out in the world and we're touching microphones and we're um, hugging one another and speaking to one another, uh, doing indoor open mics, indoor restaurant dining situations, like, you know, the cold is starting to pass along. So um, everybody just be careful or catch a cold. I mean, whatever, like you need to boost your immune system. So, you know, if anything, like, I'm glad I got it now. I'm glad I have it now and not later because later is when I'm going to be a lot more busy. It looks like I'll be in Portland in in mid-July. I'm going to be doing several shows or I'm going to try but I, I am definitely booked um, for July 14th. I'm going to be in Portland doing some kind of show out like in some urban farm area like it's going to be fun. I'll, I'll post details on that on my website um, along with ticket details and whatnot so if you're in oregon you can catch me in portland on july 14th i am definitely going to be in north carolina in mid-september so i will be posting dates and ticket things about that sometime this summer the show i'm going to talk about today is called "Fated to love you it is also called you are my destiny in korean it's called (laughs) 운명처럼 너를 사랑해 is, what, a, what a lovely title! Um, if you guys are an Ailey fan, then like this is the show to watch because Ailey sings like the 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 soundtrack for this show, and it is like a super like dramatic, cheesy kind of ballad. But fucking Ailey's got some pipes. I mean, that bitch is on it. She is so good. If you like hearing you know, power divas belting out this is the show for you. Okay. Um, or at the very least, download the soundtrack. If you if you don't know who Ailey is, like you know, you've heard her. Okay. Like she she did the soundtrack for Goblin, right? Guardian, lonely, great god. Um, and the one where she sings, you know, I will go to you like the snow. Like that, that's her. All right. I put Ailey alongside Mariah Carey. I do. I put like that's how that's how good she is. That's, that's a big ass compliment coming from me. Like I'm a huge Mariah Carey fan, huge, huge. But like I put Ailey alongside Mariah Carey. She's at that level. Let's be more specific. Ailey is at the level of Mariah Carey present day. I wouldn't say that Ailey is at the level of Mariah Carey late eighties. Okay. Late eighties 90s mariah carey is like way above aly present day so we'll like to be fair we're talking levels and time here all right present day mariah carey her level is aly present day so um do what you'd like with that that's just an opinion you guys it's just an opinion it doesn't matter that's just my opinion I went to a a mic earlier today at the Hollywood comedy, it's on Melrose. In fact, there are a lot of uh, open mics happening on Melrose. There's like the comedy nook, there's also the trap mic. Um, So hit up those mics if you're in LA, those are, you know, it's like easy to just hit up all of them at once. It's like very efficient. But I was there this um, evening and like, ran into an old, you know, comedy colleague, friend who I haven't seen like since the shutdown. And he was like, are you still, like on your way to becoming a doctor and i was like "Bitch, i am already a doctor so why don't you sit your ass down and shut up uh and he was like wow yeah so i guess like you know you're gonna see patients now huh and this motherfucker thought i was gonna become like a medical doctor and that just like put my head into this weird funk because you know, like my parents had such low expectations for me. I don't fit the bill of that Asian American minority myth at all, in the sense that my parents did not have high expectations. They did not hold immensely impossible standards over me. You know why? Because they did not believe in me. That is the truth. My parents thought I was a grade A moron. They thought I was an idiot. All right. And it's like i wasn't i wasn't an idiot they just thought me being like loud and goofy and into weird zany art shit was like they thought that equated idiocy all right and they thought my younger brother who excelled in the stem fields like his thing was like science and biology they thought he was a genius and they kept investing in him you know And meanwhile, I was being neglected. Like me and my gifts were like child's play to them. And they were like, all right, just like you go doodle with your crayons or whatever, you know. But like the thing is, despite their lack of belief in me, I did end up becoming a doctor. But the kind of doctor who watches 10,000 hours of television, like that's the doctor to be. You know, like this is how you know you're in America that, like, you watch 10,000 hours of TV, write a dissertation on it, and then they give you a PhD. Like, that's how you know you're in the fucking United States. The privilege that we live with in this fat fucking country is mind blowing. You know, like India right now is still raging, it's still a mess. People are dying on the floors of hospitals. All right. And fucking. I just walked like two blocks to my local CVS. And when I went there to pick something up, they were like, oh, it looks like you're due for another booster shot. Do you want to just get your tetanus done like today? And they just like, like immediately, like within five minutes, I got my booster shot and I'm good for another 10 years. I mean, if that is not privilege, I do not know what is. I really hope that India gets the help that they need. The fact that our country, the United States of America, um, is still full of people who are refusing free vaccinations is a travesty. I just don't understand. With those vaccines, they could have been saving lives in India, right? But I mean, Anyway, going back to the show, Fated to Love You, it's actually a remake of a Taiwanese drama mm? starring Joe Chen and Ethan Ruan. And uh, it it did well back in 2008 when it aired in Taiwan. Korea decided to redo it and they called it You Are My Destiny, Fated to Love You. And it stars a cast, uh, this couple that played a couple back in 2002. I already talked about this drama a few episodes ago with Ezra um, Karakaya called Successful Story of a Bright Girl. That one came out in 2002. The chemistry between Chang Hyuk and Jang Nara is undeniably amazing. And Successful Story of a Bright Girl was a little bit more of like a fun, quirky, um, yet realist sort of show. But this, this television show, "Fated to Love You, is highly campy it is very stylized it is completely absurd there are so many twists and turns it is like you have to you have to pay attention it's not one of these tv shows that you just like leave on and you just like wander around and do your shit. no you have to like stay focused you gotta stay on top of your game if you wanna keep on top of the story because it's very very like you know, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of hairs on old Duder's head. What was really fun about watching this show is seeing how uh, how much meta there is on this program. Like, there were so many instances of like callbacks to, you know, Chang Hyuk's old roles in hit tv shows or hit films that he's in there were callbacks to the fact that Changhyuk was once a rapper and he raps the song that he's like well known for in this show uh Jang Nara is also she started out as a singer I talk about this in Successful Story so Chang Nara also like sings a song and um you know it's like a callback to the fact that, like she was really well known as a singer in in the year two thousand or when she was first starting out. So there are a lot of moments like that that sort of like, the, these kind of meta elements, intertexts. Those kinds of intertexts are mostly there for people who are like, I guess, the millennial generation, like the Gen Y people, people who grew up watching Chang Hyuk and Chang Nara, people like me, so to speak. People who recognize, who are fans, who recognize the texts that these actors were in over the last you know, decade and a half, because this show came out in 2014. And then, you know, to kind of see them reunite on the small screen is also got this sort of nostalgic energy to it, right? So it brings people to the screen, and they're bringing all of their childhood memories and all their, you know, adolescent angst with them. And so in that regard, it was really entertaining. I mean, this show did have some problematic elements. For one, like there are strangers, not strangers. They're actually family members. They end up roofying people. It's like the worst thing to do, right? But like roofing drinks in order to get what they want, which isn't even sex. It's like they're not trying to like get people to um, sleep with people. But like they're, how do I explain this? Just watch the show. Watch the show. There are these two characters who try to roofie the CEO in order to scandalize him and like put another woman in his bed, but they end up roofying him and like this this family member of his of theirs who happens to be played by Chang Nara. And then Chang Nara and Chang end up sleeping together in a roofied state. Roofying women's drinks is wrong. Like it's just wrong. Roofying anybody's drinks is wrong. Like you should never drug somebody, right? But I just didn't appreciate the the sort of lightheartedness of that. Like I, I don't think that's funny. I don't think, you know, that should be um just shown on television like that you know it's a huge problem in south korea like as we know a fucking roofing women and then gang raping them and shit like that stuff happens in the entertainment industry it's been written about it's been documented it's been reported on i did not enjoy that part about this show there's a sidekick character in this drama who i really love pak is in it and i've been watching Park He-bon, like Probably at, for as long as I've been watching Hanyadi, you know, like I remember seeing the two of them together in a indie sitcom. I want to say it was like an indie sitcom, and they were uh, sort of like, you know, playing this duo role together. It was interesting. Che Ushik is also in this show. Uh, che Ushik, you would all recognize from Parasite. He's the one who plays the son. He's actually very good at speaking English because he lived in north america for a while i think he lived in canada for a bit so he's very fluent in english he's on this tv show and you know he plays like a really sweet uh, really lovely kind of character there isn't exactly an enemy on this show that's what i liked there isn't like a villain on this show instead there are all these like little how do you say life scenarios it's like it's like the life Drama is their antagonist. There is no villain per se, just circumstance and bad luck. Like those are the things that create conflict on this program. Today's guest is Zach Chapaloni. He is an LA based stand up comedian. He is very, very funny. I think he's like, yeah, one of the funniest comedians in this scene at the moment. He is the co-host of Hesby Street Podcast. I believe he is currently like on the road doing his thing. I think he's very busy. Like I, I he goes back to San Francisco a lot from what I could tell from his Instagram posts. But I really love watching the Hesby Street Podcast's video clips. Like they crack me up so hard and it's because of zach like zach is a very gifted improviser like in the moment he just thinks of the funniest things when i was editing this episode i was like hysterically laughing like you know how usually like sometimes you'll watch me and i'm like wiping tears away i have like a box of tissues in here at all times and it's because like whenever i laugh like my right eye just just gushes tears it's it, it's probably a neurological defect. I don't know, but it's like if I'm laughing, like that's how you could tell that I'm sincerely laughing. It's like when I'm tearing up, I'm laughing for real. Like when I was editing this, right? both of my eyes were like <laughs> like streaming with tears because I was dying laughing at the things that Zach was saying. So it was such a joy to talk to Zach. It was a joy to edit this. It was a joy to monitor. So, uh, you you guys are in for such a treat. Zach is such a talented comic. Follow him on Instagram, Zach Ciappoloni. He is a really, really hilarious comedian. And he's a genuinely li- nice guy. And what I loved talking to Zach about was like our childhood, you know, because Zach has a Moroccan mother and an Italian father. And, you know, like we shared a lot of stories about being a child of an immigrant um, having an ethnic mother, being middle class, but living in this white suburban, you know, upper middle class neighborhood. I mean, my neighborhood growing up wasn't upper middle class per se. It was very middle class. Like a lot of the Irish Americans I went to school with, they were like cops and nurses and firefighters and shit. Yeah, I guess Zach grew up in a way more like she, she kind of neighborhood. But I I just noticed that like while while I was editing this, both of us had the most interesting stories for having the worst parents, right? Like I noticed that when when I was talking about my mother, Zach would be listening intensely. And when Zach talked about his father, I was listening very intensely. And this is why conflict is the essence of any drama, right? Any film or TV screenwriting's 101 rule is conflict. Conflict makes it interesting. And the question is why? why are we attracted to conflict? It's because for one, we're looking for answers to our own predicament, our own past, right? Like all of us have baggage. All of us have trauma. We, we all come from some kind of shittiness from the past. And if you don't have any of that, if you claim that you don't, then you're probably really fucking boring. Like go away. The other reason why conflict is attractive to people is because we're empathetic, right? We're human beings, and we're we're empathetic, so we're drawn to conflict in that regard. But the other reason why on-screen conflict is so attractive is because it's the safest way to experience conflict, right? It's not happening to you or your person directly. It is just on the screen, and we can tune in and watch like voyeurs into other people's pain while knowing that we're safe from it because it's on screen, it's not happening anywhere near our proximity. So I, I really enjoyed uh, talking to Zach and kind of sort of thinking through like the, I don't want to say gift necessarily, but the upside to having a uh, having come from a family of dysfunction. And I'm not fully like 100% there yet. But I am starting to come around to accepting the fact that my past suffering has some justification for who I am today. Just like there is justification for who Zach is today, right? I mean, I had a meeting with a friend of mine who works at a um, talent agency here in LA. And I was, I don't know why I was telling her this. It just came out of nowhere because she was congratulating me. She was like, congratulations on getting your doctorate. And I was just kind of like, thank you. uh, But kind of playing it off. And I was like, why am I playing this off again? You know, I was, I was supposed to just say thank you and feel good. But I was like downplaying it. And I realized it's because like my parents just didn't, they just thought I was stupid. Like my parents genuinely thought I was stupid. My dad told me to not go to college. He was like, you know, you just don't have the brains for it. It would be a waste of money to invest in a college education on you. He literally told me, like, to join the army. And this is when we were in a full-on state of war with Iraq and Afghanistan. Like, this was during George, Bush's, George W. Bush's first term. And my dad was just like, just join the army, go to Iraq. You should do something for this country. Every single day, I'm proving to myself that I'm not some fucking lump on a log. Like Every single day, I, I work on this podcast. I interview people. I go up on stage and I deliver punchlines. I write and I publish articles in peer-reviewed journals. I work on books. My career is to be a thinker and a storyteller right? Like I've built my life into that. And so I'm always proving to myself what my worth is, what my value is, what my priorities are. And I'm proving to myself or reminding myself who I am and that it doesn't matter what my parents say or what they said about me. Okay. That was a really long-winded way of saying, this is going to be a wonderful conversation. Lucky you. Let's talk to Zach Ciappolone. Nothing's changed
1: nothing has changed
0: nothing's changed for the last year
1: (laughs) it's been forever and nothing has changed
0: yeah it's the same old stuff how have you been
1: i've been good i've been good i've been surprisingly uh busy for not having stand-up in my life so Mm. i guess i'm thankful for that but yeah i do i do miss being able to perform in front of audiences live
0: Oh boy. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. Um, when was your last like live kind of thing?
1: Like in a place? Uh-huh. Uh, we're talking a pl- oh, an actual place. Like a location
0: mm. with a microphone.
1: Okay. And people.
0: With, with people.
1: Uh We went up to Sonoma.
0: Mm.
1: A few months ago, Santa Rosa, Sonoma, and we did an outdoor show there. So and it's been it's been a few months.
0: That must have felt so good.
1: Yeah, it felt really good. <laughs> uh, but it also felt like we got bad by not doing, you know, not being able to do stand up. It's like, man, yeah, mm-hmm. work. These bits need work. And then, yeah. uh, you know, we've been doing. I've been doing Zoom shows. Uh huh. And. I was under the uh, you know impression that it would like the stuff that was doing well on Zoom would do well live and that's not the case.
0: That's such that's such an interesting thing like when 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 I'm doing the Zoom shows I try not to do material honestly because mm-hmm. I'm just like they're not here they're checked out. Yeah. So yeah. I just end up doing crowd work. I just start talking about them cuz they're all there not yeah. listening. When you call them by their name they're just like, "Oh." they Suddenly. sit up a little bit. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah, whereas yeah, when it's a, an actual crowd, then it's like a, another dynamic. It's so interesting how there's a big difference there.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a huge difference and we were doing a, a Zoom show from our house every week. Uh yeah. well, then it kind of shifted to every month, uh but we would always write new material because yeah, at a certain point we're like I don't want to do Uh my actual jokes because i don't know if i'm gonna get anything out of this zoom meeting of a show
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. i was like really impressed because you um you live with like a bunch of other comics right
1: yeah i live with two other comedians and then also Uh my wife lives here Um, yeah
0: yeah so So you got your own kind of um like that's where your show is from is with your that's the podcast right like that's
1: what that's about Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do our podcast, Hesby Street, here mm-hmm. in the living room. And uh, and then, yeah, we were doing a Hesby Street Zoom stand-up show on Thursday uh-huh. nights from the living room. And, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's definitely been a different experience than I thought it was going to be. Well, than we all thought because we moved in in January. And I had kind of pitched it to my wife as like, oh, it'll be great. We get like a house to ourselves because everyone's going to be on the road so much uh-huh. uh, like doing stand up <laughs> that no one. Will... And then we're just oh in God. the same room every day for a year and no one has anywhere to go. And oh, my God. This isn't quite as we planned. Oh,
0: shit. Wow. So, OK, yeah. so you moved in January last year. Yeah. Like that. Yep. Oh my God! So you guys were like new roommates, and then you guys were just trapped, yeah, with one another.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, some people left, um, you know, here and there, but for the most part, yeah, it's like I was. Tr- we were all trying to think of a night we've had the house to ourselves, and we went around the house, and I think everyone each had like on one night
0: out of a year. Out of a year. Oh wow!
1: Yeah, but it. Like, as far as living with people and being stuck in a house with people, I, it couldn't have gotten any better, I don't think. You know, mm-hmm. like, there mm-hmm. were little things here and there, but really, like, mm-hmm. it was a great group. Mm. And I feel like when you live with someone, it's just, you're bound to find something you hate about that person.
0: Always. And,
1: and then you want to move out. And mm-hmm. uh uh, I didn't really feel that way. I mean, we mm. are actually moving out at the end of this month because... uh
0: Wow.
1: Uh, well, I think we wanted to take advantage of like rent being probably as low as it's going to be for yeah. the next year. So, mm-hmm. and then also, uh, I think space. I think we miss a little bit of privacy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we're going to keep the podcast going, but it just won't be roll out of bed and meet in the living room and do the
0: podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm such a fan of your podcast. Actually, I love it. I, well, I'm I'm a fan of the clips that I see on Instagram. Like, (laughs) I I die laughing watching them. Oh hell yeah, they're great. Yeah, I'm glad you like those. You guys have a really nice kind of dynamic, like good chemistry among you guys, and it's just like entertaining to watch. Oh, I'm
1: so glad. I edit the videos, so I'm really happy that the Instagram videos are what I am so
0: impressed by your editing. Do you edit on Premiere?
1: Uh, no, I use uh final cut. I probably should have done premiere. Oh, okay. But, uh, oh. I don't know why I picked final cut, but everyone I talk to <laughs> who's like a good editor is like, Oh, I am Premiere. Everyone is premier and I'm oh, yeah. a final cut guy. So
0: I never learned final cut. I learned premiere. So you're, you're better than I am in, in that regard. But did you study film? Like where did you learn how to edit?
1: No, I just, uh, tinkering I worked actually I worked at a local news station briefly uh, in college I was an intern Uh and so that was my first experience editing Uh and then I got hired by the news station and I was like sweet getting paid (laughs) to edit I was doing like local programming I basically my job was to put like they'd have a plastic surgeon on like daytime paid like programming yeah and I would have to put like the black boxes on like breast implant jobs and like (laughs) (laughs) mouth reconstruct i basically put the black box over nipples and uh and then uh, yeah it was a pretty wild job and then um i got fired because (laughs) i didn't pass a marijuana test and they were like you have to go (laughs) i was like no where was this state this is in san francisco california
0: in california yeah
1: it was like a year before it was medicinally legal in San Francisco, but the company that owned the news station was based out of New York, which is uh, it's super illegal there. So they, they have like a zero such tolerance. Squares, yeah, yeah. But I got the internship because I was going to a baseball game one day, and I decided to buy some weed before we, me and my <laughs> friends went to the game. And uh-huh. I ran into this kid that I grew up with, uh-huh. and he was like, "Oh, I could sell you some weed." And I went up to his house to buy weed, uh-huh. and he was living with his parents. Yeah. And his dad was there. And his yeah. dad was like, oh, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm studying communications in college. And the dad was like, oh, well, you should uh, do an internship. So it was like, we got <laughs> me the job and we'd got me fired. So I can't <laughs> complain too much. But, wow. Yeah. That's,
0: that's crazy, man. Yeah. yeah. So you studied communications.
1: Yeah. I wanted to do broadcasting. And then mm. I picked the wrong... Uh, like the wrong type of communications major and then when i okay. transferred to school i was like oh i think i picked the wrong one and they're uh-huh. like oh well it's like a wait list for the communications thing uh, i'm like let's just get this over with that's yeah, fine yeah. i'm not gonna wait around for my chance to work in your like fake news station school, yeah so.
0: <laughs> yeah ultimately like whatever you studied in college doesn't really matter what yeah matters is the on-ground work that you do that yeah that's your path
1: i, I think they should like in America, people shouldn't have to go straight to college from high school. They should take like a year mm-hmm. to kind of work and figure out what they want to work in, and then go to school. Mm-hmm. Yes, with uh, like a purpose.
0: I agree. Yeah, they should do the same for graduate school. Yeah,
1: yeah. do they not? They I don't. I don't know much about grad school.
0: No, because I'm in grad school now, and for what I in actually in cinema media studies, so not too oh, far cool. from communications. Yeah, and uh, I like i went to grad school maybe six years almost seven years after i graduated college so mm-hmm. like i worked i lived i traveled i did stuff and then um yeah i would come to grad school that I would see like 22 year olds in my class and the shit they would say is just like i'm like rolling my eyes i'm like oh my yeah. god yeah go see you the know?
1: world yeah yeah <laughs> Not yeah. to
0: say that they don't they don't have good ideas at times, but other times they no. just sounded out of touch. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. yeah,
1: and some people can function at that level because maybe they have enough of a like family background that's introduced them to a lot of you know mm-hmm. uh, points of view. But a lot of us are just kind of being shuffled along mm-hmm. in this like mass process, and you're like, all right, well I guess everyone's going to that school now, so I guess I should start going. Like that's how my mind worked as a kid. You yeah. know, my mom's like from a tiny poor village in morocco she doesn't know how like college works and my yeah. dad never went to school or like yeah. never went to college so he was yeah. like he didn't know and didn't have an opinion and so it was very much like <laughs> yeah. looking at my left and right and being like should i yeah should, like what's what should i be majoring you know like mm-hmm. i would look at kids that go i'm gonna be an engineer i'm like how do you know like what, how do you know what, yeah should i be an engineer what are we doing yeah. like what's the plan yeah.
0: I a hundred percent understand. I think that's like a lot of like immigrant kids or ch- children of immigrants feel that way. They feel yeah. like lost. Um, your friends are literally like your guide, your guidance in
1: life. And that's dangerous. Yeah, it is. Like your friends, my friends are idiots, you know? So like I can't, I can't have them deciding things. They're children think, as well. Yeah. But okay. But tell me this. Did you and your family like eat dinner as a family at the table?
0: Uh, sometimes we tried to, yeah.
1: And we then tried. did you discuss your day or like life things? No. No? Just no. head down and eat?
0: <laughs> no, not necessarily. Like my dad would kind of dictate whatever the tone was, whatever okay. the conversation was. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. But you might Why? be put on the, on the spot. Well, because my family didn't do dinner at the table. And I feel like that's mm. when you took like relay what happened at school or what people say and then your parents kind of be like, I don't know about that. Or, Uh you know, you kind of bounce ideas around and then formulate your opinion on what the kids are Uh saying and what your parents saying. But we didn't like, we all went to our rooms are like, we didn't (laughs) eat together. My brother and I would sit together like in one of our rooms and eat, Um, like watch TV together. But uh, yeah, like our parents didn't, uh, didn't do like the table thing. And I feel like it's a work
0: schedule is that why
1: no no my dad just like he didn't really <laughs> want like <laughs> he just like wanted to smoke cigarettes and watch the giants game <laughs> and eat dinner after work so it's like dude all right it's just you're wow. paying the bills you get to eat how you want and wow. uh yeah so you know maybe mm. i i don't know the habit just formed and my mom is like from like a muslim mm-hmm. you know kind of women stand in the background and. Do whatever they eat the separately. man says yeah, yeah they yeah. actually do yeah yeah they so, eat separately
0: or with the children
1: right so she mm-hmm. would kind of go off and do her thing so we didn't think it was weird but in school i mm-hmm. remember a teacher going how how often do you uh do you eat like you know if it's three times a week raise your hand and so mm-hmm. kids would raise their hand and she's like two and then some mm-hmm. kids raise their hand and then one and she's looking at me like when you what did you not hear the question? <laughs> like, no, You're like we zero. <laughs> we never she's like, You're being dramatic. I'm like, No, I'm not trying to like yeah. cry out for help. I didn't think there was mm-hmm. anything wrong with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's your and norm.
1: Yeah, it's the norm. And then I realized like, man, I don't know so much shit. Like mm-hmm. I just believed things my friends would tell me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then I would just not pursue it because my friends told me like, ah, no, uh. no one does. Like, I remember there was a thing like kids were thinking about going to college and, huh. uh, someone said like, what, what about Cal? And I remember a kid going, well, Cal, like from what my older siblings told me or something, it's like, they really don't only accept Asians right now. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> They're like, yeah, they don't really take anyone else unless you're Asian. And I just believe that. I'm like, well, yeah. then I guess I shouldn't apply to Cal because I don't think I'm Asian From a enough.
0: teenager. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Not then, a like, guidance later, counselor. Like, yeah. Right. 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 So why didn't. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. that would have been something I would have brought home at the right. dinner table. And my parents uh-huh. would have been like, what? Consult Whoa. with your parents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or or honestly, like, no, you know, that's the other the dangerous thing about immigrant parents is like whatever they hear randomly, like on the radio, just yeah. because some lady said it at the store, yes. that becomes their religion. You know? Yes. Like yes. for instance, like I, I was, um, I, I was taught piano. Like I had piano lessons since I was like five. Mm-hmm. You would think that I'm a virtuoso today. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Good. I don't know how to play a single tune on the piano. How? You know what? You know why? Because I didn't have a piano growing up, right? Like, we we always, like, rented houses, like, shitty small houses, noise complaints all the time. So we just didn't own a piano. We couldn't afford it, whatever. But Uh you could get a keyboard at least, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, a piano... Some. And this piano teacher, she was just somebody's mom who knew how to play piano, okay? And okay. this is what she says to my mother. My mom's like, oh, maybe like Grace can get like a keyboard so she could practice at home. Cause as we all know, music is about practice. You have to practice your instrument. Otherwise yes. you're, you're gonna be shit. You're not gonna yeah. progress. Right. And then this lady, this piano teacher lady goes, well, a keyboard isn't the full set of keys on the piano. So mm. it wouldn't really be helpful. And that just becomes my mom's firm, concrete, solidified belief. And so all throughout my childhood, we couldn't afford a piano, couldn't have a piano. wouldn't
1: do a keyboard.
0: She refuses to buy a keyboard, (laughs) like like staunchly against it. I never progressed a piano. And all the lessons that I took, it would be like once a week. The teachers would be frustrated with me. Like, why do you suck ass? I'm like, because, bitch, I don't fucking have a piano. Also, yeah. one one of your one of you cunts told my mom not to get a fucking keyboard. Right. Which would so have been the-
1: keyboards, It's better than nothing. The I mean next yeah, best I get, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah. That's uh, so
1: funny. That's yeah. so funny.
0: Something they hear on the radio, you know? Right. Like, and then it's and just that, scripture. That's their scripture. Re- yeah. Religious belief. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Y- yeah. That is so funny that like uh, that like had that teacher worded it better, mm-hmm. and said, "Well, okay, if you can't get a piano, then do a keyboard, but maybe yeah. try to get a piano." Yeah, As like in to, your oh, keyboard
0: circumstance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like oh, like no, never keyboard never ever (laughs) keyboard right it's like why you know like why not what's wrong with a keyboard like plenty of people use it yeah um but yeah she was just like no keyboard and i i genuinely wish that we here's the fucked up thing Hmm. my parents bought a house in like 2000 Mm -hmm. so like that was like the time like bush administration that was the time when like a lot of people who couldn't afford houses were given mortgages and they were mm-hmm. part of that big housing financial crisis oh. lost their house foreclosure everything but they bought a piano when i was like about to graduate college you know like no longer <laughs> never gonna touch a piano again my mom bought a fucking piano and put it in the living room and it was just like such an insult i was like well, did it, why it just did you sit buy there
1: this? yeah wait i don't understand like they didn't play
0: they didn't they don't play no it's like furniture to, ins- <laughs> to, to make me, I don't know, enraged every time I go home and look at this. It could have been yeah.
1: worse. They could have bought a keyboard to put there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. That would have been far, far you're worse. Like, yeah, what you're is absolutely going wrong. on here? Know, is this like some weird, like, like long haul mind fuck? You know? <laughs> yeah. That's what it feels like. But Yeah. <laughs> That, I, I mean, also
1: it could be the teachers, right? Like mm-hmm. the teacher. I feel like I think a good music teacher should get kids to want to play music they like, mm-hmm. so that that kind of brings like, "Whoa, piano is cool." Yeah. As opposed to learning like Mozart and yeah. like Beethoven, for, because those are Elise. the classics. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. The they
0: make you play over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I agree. Yeah. There's some, like, piano tunes I'd like to learn. Like, like nowadays, now that, like, I'm on TikTok, like, you know, four hours, like, every day, you know? Just to see yeah. what children are up to, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. Um
0: Apparently, like, skinny jeans are, like, they make fun of millennials for wearing skinny jeans. I'm like, what is that about? <laughs> like, yeah. What's wrong with them? What are we supposed yeah. to wear? That's my big question. I don't know what else to wear.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'm also worried that, like the trend is going to change back to skinny and then we left you know as like just stay where you are I know it's like buying stock it's like we're (laughs) just it's going to come back to us trust me just wait it out
0: just believe yeah and the part
1: like women in the part you got a part your hair in the middle now did you hear that one that's a thing are you serious that's a new one yeah it's skinny jeans uh are is like a millennial thing it's old people and yeah. so is for women, uh, this one my wife learned, cause she's always on TikTok, it's like her TV yeah. channel. She watches yeah. it better than TV. Yeah. Uh, she said that uh, women who part their hair from the side, uh-huh. uh, it's, it looks like to like Gen Z that they're covering up their baldness. So if you're really not bald, you have a part in the middle.
0: That is so fascinating. I guess. Yeah. I guess Trump made it go out of style. He's the one that did those weird parts. You know what's insane? Okay. I naturally, my part is in the middle. Naturally. Okay. So all my life, I've been like forcing the side part. Uh Because since elementary school, throughout middle school, throughout high school, throughout college, and even post college, middle parts made you look like a fucking pilgrim. You know? Like, really? I never noticed
1: like what women. Like or like girls growing up, they always did the side
0: Mm -hmm. because middle part just made you look tacky. Like made you look backwards. Made you made you look like a fucking I don't know, like like
1: like, a child whose, like parents dressed you up or something. Somebody,
0: yeah, like you know those dorks who (laughs) do the middle part and then gel it down. Like yeah, guys that was like that for girls too. Like middle part just you looked, yeah, you look like a dork, you know. So I always forced a side part my whole life. So this is shocking. So, okay. I could finally let go and just be me.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think right, like now is your time. Now is your time. Now is the <laughs> okay. middle people, middle part people rise up. This is your time.
0: Yeah, come on <laughs> out. Yeah. It's okay. Water it's is okay fine. It's okay to be you. Oh, that's so great. Oh, I feel inspired. Thank you for relaying that message. I'm that's glad.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you got that message. Ugh, yeah. A, I, it's need been a I need it. long time coming.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Fucking over 30 years, man. So, um, <laughs> what's uh what did your father do
1: my dad was a uh he was an insurance salesman uh sales and he he inherited the company from his family so -hmm. that was like the family business i think his great uncle started it or something no his uncle started it and then his his dad took over and then he took over Mm -hmm. and then uh he, But he, like, didn't really try or any, like, he never had to really grow up because I think he grew up very well off or, or at mm-hmm. least everything was kind of taken care of for him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think his parents were as hands-on or, like, active in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he just kind of got to be, like, the shithead, like, young kid who just, like, didn't want to uh, deal with his, like, life or issues and... Mm-hmm. And so he he inherited a lot, but he wasn't able to take care of it. So we ended up losing it all. And then my mom, wow. who kind of like came from absolutely nothing, like less than nothing. Mm-hmm. Like my mom would have to wait for the farmer's market to close to grab, like she said, like carrots that were soggy or like they couldn't afford bread. So they would or flour. Mm-hmm. So they'd have to buy the grain and sift it to make flour. <laughs> like she was like next level poor, like nothing. <laughs> Like it was so intense and she is very much like better at kind of uh, protecting, or I don't know, like uh, looking out for us or or trying Mm -hmm. to get ahead, or she's Mm -hmm. more driven, I would say. Yeah, Um, and And savvy. Yeah, savvy, very savvy. So uh, it's interesting. It's interesting seeing both sides, like a guy who kind of grew up with technically it all. And then he's like, can't, can't even take care of him like he's asked for us for, for money and we're like dude why don't wow. you set some aside you know or yeah. uh, and like we'll help where we can but it's he's kind of like he he just can't really take care of himself and no one wants to like deal with it because it's like toxic um, yeah of course are your parents so, still together no no they split okay. up uh when we were like in our I, I think i was like in my early 20s okay and and uh they yeah they split up because my dad wanted to he actually wanted to grow weed and like move up to the middle of nowhere and Mm -hmm. he didn't know anything about any of it and he told me and i had like some friends who knew a little bit so he's like would you want to help like with this new idea this new project and i'm like yeah yeah like let's get rich you know like yeah and my mom was like this is i can't stress this enough how bad of an idea this is. i know i've been quiet about your dad all along, but like he cannot accomplish anything like he's never seen anything through and uh-huh. i'm like no like i'll be there to help and she would just be like mm-hmm. in tears like what well. and so she split up with him because she said if i was arrested she felt like my dad was gonna like get me in mm-hmm. trouble and not be able to help me so mm-hmm. she's like if i separate from you like then if Zach is in a bind, at least I won't be tied to it and I can help him get out. And so that was like an amicable way for them to split up. I think he would have Mm -hmm. like been made her life pretty rough if they had just, Mm -hmm. she divorced him before that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it did kind of hit the fan. I lived in like uh, middle of nowhere in California. Mm. And uh, she, um, he like had done some like shady stuff and kind of like put the electric bill in my name and then uh like when the cops had like found a shed where there was like (laughs) remains of a grow operation Mm. uh he just like kind of told them it was me and i wasn't there (laughs) so i never went back because i was like afraid that uh, i was going to get arrested
0: so your mother was right in a lot of ways
1: yeah she's always kind of right uh (laughs) So, yeah, she's been the guiding force. My dad, she always kind of joke, like, I feel like I'm a mom and I have three kids. (laughs) and Like, like me, my brother, my dad. And I thought it was a joke, but as I got older, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, he probably needs to be taken care of more than my brother and I do. Yeah, Um,
0: yeah. How did your parents meet, though? That's such an interesting
1: she my mom was yeah it is super interesting i talk to like my moroccan uncles all the time they're like dude i don't know what she saw in your dad he's such a loser my dad was like (laughs) such a loser and my mom was like a beautiful young woman uh Mm -hmm. and she had dated like other guys wanted to go out with her this is what my uncle would tell me like a lot but i think uh she was poor and very beautiful as a like a younger woman in morocco which was okay you're kind of seen as like a like property and a lot of creepy old guys can just marry yeah. you before you're even like 13. Of course. Uh, yeah. So she's very like oppressed in that way. Like she doesn't mm. wanna be beautiful, doesn't wanna like mm-hmm. go out, I think because of traumas she has. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was working all kinds of jobs, like bartending and uh, working at a, uh, she would, there was like an exercise studio Mm-hmm. they were doing jazzercise back in the nice. 80s and or no 70s and uh mm. um my mom started helping sign in she wasn't an instructor but she became friends with the instructors like oh, i'll work like the front desk sign people mm-hmm. in and out of class mm-hmm. and then she got like her brother a job like cleaning up the studios like a janitor so she's very like savvy and getting opportunities she was for taking people.
0: care since back in the day
1: yeah exactly mm. and uh and then she one of the women she became friends with at the uh class was my dad's sister and she was uh. like you should come come over for dinner like and she was kind of trying to set my mom up with my dad without oh. telling her and then uh my mom would go over and hang out with them and my dad she was living in an apartment that she inherited from my grandpa uh-huh. and were like he paid all her bills and then uh-huh. uh the in-law unit like the little room in the back is like my dad and his stoner friends were like hanging out and like living in so my dad was kind of like her loser brother but they hit it off and became like friends at first and i don't think my mom ever really was like head over heels in love but i don't think huh. she ever believed in that stuff Okay. because uh, like marriage in morocco wasn't it wasn't about love it's like a contract between families sure. yeah uh, pragmatism so uh-huh. yeah yeah and uh She, uh, yeah, she started seeing him and I guess he was coming out of a weird messed up like relationship and he offered to like her biggest priority was helping her siblings like meet people and like find ways to like become Americans and get them out Mm of, she was the first to leave, uh, Mm -hmm. Morocco. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I think he proposed to her, she said, no. (laughs) <laughs> and uh then he called and was like is there someone else just tell me if you're seeing someone else
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she was like no i just don't like want to start a family like i have my own i have like 12 siblings to take care of and they all need my help and i want to help yeah. them like get out of their shitty situation in life mm-hmm. and uh he was like i'll help like i want to help
0: oh, okay
1: and that was like all right you you, you just sung to my heart and mm-hmm. they yeah they got eloped
0: so is your dad's a uh, cultural currency, the American yeah. passport?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just willingness to like be there with her through all like her kind of fucked up shit. Yeah. Um and I could tell that as at an early age like that was a big connection for them. Like she had sure. a lot of problems and he was always there to listen and talk. He's a very charming guy and and like He uh,
0: sounds like he would be,
1: you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like 100% like I could like picture him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah but he's he's just not like a self-improving guy like, he doesn't want to get better he doesn't want to learn how to improve and so it, it all kind of yeah. came to a head like he wasn't paying mm-hmm. his taxes and wasn't mm-hmm. uh you know he was addic- he was a drug addict and he didn't tell me that and like started oh, wow. hanging out with the wrong crowd and all these like terrible things that he didn't tell anyone and good my mom was such a submissive wife that she's like well i'm just going to be a good wife and Ignore any suspicions and any uh-huh. like finance like I'll trust that the man Is taking care of it because that's what a wife does right. you know, and then uh Yeah, mm. it, like kind of came to a head and then you know We were losing our house before we knew it and yeah Electric bill is getting shut off and it's like what happened yeah. and he's like I told you i'm taking care of it but it's just like <laughs> never never getting taken care of so um
0: It, it, it kind of explains why you wouldn't have Family dinners together, because yeah, he would have to explain himself every fucking night, and he doesn't want to. Yes, yes, can't face the children and the wife. Look at them in the eye and tell them, reassure them that everything will be okay when it's actually things are fucking up. He's fucking up. Yeah. yeah,
1: and he was good at the talks, you know, of like eh, everything's going to be fine. And then just not want to do anything, you know, and it's like he's just <laughs> deep down. He's not sorry. Like he's so uh-huh. like into his own shit that he's yeah. convinced like the world screwed him over. Oh. Uh, you know, it's no other people's should... fault. Everyone owes him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just really hard to like be around him at this point in life because it just turns into like we can't help him enough. And it's like, dude, I'm, right. I'm not asking you for anything. What are you like mad at me because I couldn't, you know, hmm. like do this and do that. And um, hmm. it's just like a very one sided kind of like toxic energy. But my mom is still like so accommodating. And it's like, Course. Oh, be, be there for your dad. I'm like, fuck that guy. Like, what? I don't want to, you know. And she's yeah. just like.
0: Isn't she, that crazy? Isn't that wild? Weird. How how women like a. A wife even an ex-wife's loyalty to her husband is just so like deep you know yeah
1: it goes like she's she's to a fault like how how supportive she is like it's a pro like even her friends tell her like anyone else would have divorced him and like hired a lawyer and tried to get like some money or like something out of what he owned and She's just like, no, you know, it's okay. And she still like helps him. And it's like, dude, he's kind of like a bottomless pit with like, there will never be enough help. He's never trying to get on his feet. Uh So that's why I'm like, you should like live your life. But I think honestly, like the older I get, the more I I have this feeling, like my mom just, I don't know if it's like daddy issues or what, but she just really is like, likes like losers and weirdos. (laughs) Like my brother and I, like every new guy or new friend of hers it's just like why are what are, what is makes this person sense. doing for you yeah it's it like makes a,
0: sense it's um she needs a fixer-upper at all times because yes. that's what she's done her whole life with her siblings and yes. you know with the husband and now that the husband's gone it's like okay i have nothing to do who else can i fix up oh well he's my ex-husband he still needs help okay it's something yeah. to do yeah you know, it's a project keeps yeah. her busy
1: i know i wish she had a healthier hobby like,
0: <laughs> like painting or pottery
1: yeah, right? You or know? even like i don't know working with kids you know like these yeah. are like old guys who don't want to change right. they just want to die and it's like what are you gonna, right how much help yeah. can you provide
0: that's a good transition yeah yeah yeah. there are plenty of like children that need fostering or yeah you know yeah um yeah, like a big sister thing. You know, I don't right. know. Maybe they have like an aunt, like a Moroccan aunt program. <laughs> yeah. You know, Moroccan ants of America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, But that could uh, that could help. But um, I I get it. My mother's um, similar in a lot of ways. You know, father's a narcissist. Um, he was an alcoholic. I mean, alcoholics are always an alcoholic. But yeah. um, found Jesus and became like a fundamentalist Christian and like you know. Yeah. When Neither did... of my parents are, you know, college educated either. They both grew up on farms, immigrants, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. When
1: did and they're still together?
0: They're still fucking together.
1: Old school. That's old school. Nothing can break <laughs> this bond. Yeah, it's awful. Did they marry out of love?
0: I think so. I don't know. Who cares? It seems to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's similar. He was very charming. Uh mm-hmm. he's the youngest of like 7. And he was like, like an accident. young. Like his older brothers are like 20 years older than him. Oh, very, wow. very young. Yeah. Wow. Didn't, didn't know his father. Um, because his father died when he was like two. And, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he was super charming, like handsome guy. Like yeah. my brother got married, my younger brother, I have a younger brother, he's, um, two years younger than me. My brother got married a few years ago. We were, he got married in Hawaii in Kona and, uh, the hair lady, like the lady who's doing our hair, it's mm-hmm. uh, like this white lady, right? Yeah. She's like doing my hair. And then my dad like parks the car and he's like walking into the house and she saw him through the window. And then she goes, oh, is that your dad? I was like, lady, put it back in your pants. Like, yes. <laughs> that is Damn, my father. You still got it i guess he does you know like
1: wow yeah
0: and i was just like just chill out and it turns out this fucking white lady's married to a japanese guy's like oh it's like okay this is like a a pattern for you (laughs) yeah it's a thing but um yeah like you know good looking guy very charming like fun you know like like typical youngest siblings tend to have that kind of personality that kind of vibe and
1: yeah um yeah was he raised by siblings kind of like your dad
0: pretty much Cause his mother worked and um, all of his older siblings, you know, they also worked, but when they were around, they were around, you know, he was neglected. I would say yeah, Um, Yeah. that's where the narcissism comes in, I suppose. And like, yeah, you know, narcissists are charming when they're good. That's the problem. And my mom's very passive and she's, I don't know. She's like weird. I, I can't categorize her. Like, I'm very mm-hmm. quick to judge people, and I get a sense of them. And I put them in a certain box in my head. I label them. My mother, I can't put a finger on it. She's daffy. She's out there, you know? I mean, in what and, sense? Uh, like, 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 uh... she's like, she's like an idiot in a way. Like, she's very dumb. Like, uh-huh. there's so many things she doesn't know, and she's like she seems very ignorant, you know? But, like, other times, like, she could be very stubborn about something and rigid and uh, that I don't understand. I'm like, if you're so like passive and like, you know, idiotic in other senses, like, why are you so stubborn about these things? And it's just, I don't know, like, I, I don't understand her. She'll do things and like not be able to explain herself. Like when I was moving out to Cali six years ago, I left uh-huh. all my, like my winter clothes, like my coats and my boots, gloves, like some purses, like clothes essentially that I value, I put them in three boxes and I left them in our house in New York.
1: Uh And
0: just three neat boxes, right? Like two years later, I go back and it was in the winter, so I want to get my winter coat. I can't find it. I look all over the house. I can't find it. These boxes are gone. And my mom's like, yeah, check in the garage. She she fucking threw them out, right? That's why they're not in the house.
1: Oh my God. Wait, did she never admit it?
0: It took a lot for her to get to Like, it took a lot. Cause I, I, Uh what I did was I I basically, I tore up the garage. Like, she had all these, like, bags of other people's clothes. Like, she wanted to do some kind of garage sale. So she collected other people's clothes, but, like, her daughter's clothes. Anyway, I was just like, why did you throw them out? And she was just like, I don't, she's like, I don't know. Maybe I'm going senile. I was like, bitch, please. You're, (laughs) like, barely 50. Don't give me that shit. You know, like, that's not gonna work with me. And she was like, yeah, maybe I'm going senile. I don't know what I've done. I I was like, and me sitting there waiting for an explanation is like not gonna happen either. She doesn't know why she did what she did.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah, she is doesn't she know like why. scatterbrained a lot. Yes, a lot. She sounds like yeah, like my uh, my mother in law. My wife's mom is like that, and my wife has to do like a lot of the talking. Like growing up, did you do a lot of the the like mom? I, let me yeah. take care of this.
0: Not only that, but also the language barrier. So like, I just became you know interpreter all right. at all times, and yeah, all of that. All of that. Yeah. And I think some of it is, like, fear-based. Like, because my dad has a temper, you know? And mm. so, like, you know, he'll throw things or yell or, you know, be abusive. And, like, my mom will freeze up and clam up, you know? Like, she won't say anything. Right. Like, silence was her only way of reacting to things. And so I think that's also part of it. Yeah. Yeah. The inability like, to that's... explain.
1: Yeah. Or, like, express, uh like, a question, you know? Maybe that's, like holding back from her learning uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah there it's weird i there are people like that where at this point in their lives you go like i, I don't mean to be offensive like how did you get this far yeah like, with knowing how little you know you know it, yeah some people just grew up in a very uh small like mm-hmm. mental bubble you know yeah i think um even the most inquisitive people like I I feel like my mom's inquisitive, but I also feel like there's a lot she just doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're the first generation with the internet. Like we were the first people to have a phone in our pocket with every answer to every question we're looking mm-hmm. for. Yes. So you yes. Know, yeah, child, then, like
0: immigrants these days have it slightly easier. Children of immigrants, I mean.
1: Yeah. 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 They before can... it
0: was like, you know, your friends saying, yeah, that's the school that Asians go to. And you're like, okay, that is the school that Asians go to. Right. And you don't go. Yeah. But now right. it's like, you look it up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or like, this is the nice bar. You know, this is like the place where everyone goes. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I feel like when my mom and her younger siblings were in San Francisco, it was like, Oh, you never heard of Johnny Loves? Like, everyone goes to Johnny Loves. Uh-huh. I'm like, what the fuck is... It doesn't even exist anymore. But it's like, <laughs> I think when you're young, you got to know, like, that was the place we'd go. Balboa yeah. Cafe. That's like a nice yeah. lunch, you know?
0: <laughs> so I that's guess. your stomping ground, San Francisco.
1: Yeah. Well, I grew up in Marin, which is just north of it. Oh, okay. I grew up in, like, a really, really wealthy town. Oh. Like, probably the richest like one of the richest towns in in America. I bet it's everyday like down our street it'd be like Lamborghinis and like Ferraris and we had a beautiful Whoa. location. Like we lived like right like by the main stretch of road and you could see like Whoa. the whole bay from our backyard, but the house damn. itself it was kind of like a metaphor for our status. Like the yeah. place we lived was beautiful, but the house we lived in was like falling apart like bare like tiles just ripped out and bare concrete Uh and like carpet just being cut out of the ground and like cigarette Mm -hmm. stains everywhere it was like drug addicts like moved into a an abandoned house and uh, the whole neighborhood didn't notice yeah but it made us like the fun house to go to because everyone else we grew up with was so rich that you couldn't touch anything in their house Mm -hmm. so we were like the kids who was like yeah go ahead break something or (laughs) Get your dirty little fingers all over the walls. Like, no one's going to be mad at you. Like, our place. Uh, Oh, that's so so interesting. Yeah, People love... And, like, we would sleep in the living room. My brother and I would, like, grab our mattress and drag it out to the living room and, like, put them together on the ground and do, like, wrestling matches. Like... Yes. It was just kind of, like, do whatever you want and no one cares. Eat whatever you want. Uh Uh-huh. You're the older brother? Yeah. Yeah, I'm the older brother. And uh, so... It was just like, and our dad like didn't like to eat vegetable. Like he was a kid, you know, he never <laughs> ate vegetables. Like we didn't have like burritos or like Chinese food until high school, like friends houses Wait, we stayed even, at.
0: Even burritos and Chinese food would be too much that, for your father? He,
1: yeah, he would. He, I've never seen They're him. They're not I've even that se-
0: high in nutritional value, no, like totally. burritos and Chinese
1: food. <laughs> totally. He, he, he is like a kid's menu order, like plain hamburger. So he would have
0: like mac and cheese?
1: uh he like would what do was your he, well he grew up foods. in like an italian family so yeah. they he would eat like um yeah like uh pasta spaghetti pizza okay. yeah spaghetti right. did pesto they were like northern italian they would have pesto every friday growing up so he'd have pesto okay um, it's got
0: basil in it i guess oh, yeah. he
1: would eat minestrone he so said that's the only way he would eat vegetables okay. That was his. His mom would make minestrone, but he—I've never seen him take a bite out of salad or like any family. Like if our family went to go to another family's house for the holidays or something, you know, like Uh they're doing a party. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He would just complain to my mom like, "I can't eat anything here. This is terrible." (laughs) It's like, dude, just try something new. Like, don't you want to try? So she would have to like, and she's so subservient. She would like make him dinner. before the party so that he could eat his dinner and then they can go like have a normal social life so we didn't have to eat vegetables as kids like my mom would kind of push it on us and we weren't opposed to it i think we liked Uh it because because your body
0: needs to nourishment (laughs)
1: that yeah that and we'd go to it was like the American upbringing that we wanted, you know, like you'd go to a friend's house and their parents are like, finish your broccoli. Yeah. And we're like, "Whoa, this is cool. This is like in TV. We got to finish the broccoli, you know, so <laughs> we'd be like, well, you know, like I remember I would say sir and ma'am because I saw uh-huh. people like good kids said that on a show <laughs> yeah. and my parents would be like, what the fuck? Are you, like, what is that? And I'm like, that's <laughs> like, I think that's what kids are doing here. Like, I think yeah. that's the, the move.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like TV became like our parent, you know, like our window onto the normal world or society, the assimilated world.
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And our yeah, our mom would like she loved it, too. You know, we'd watch like Friends with our mom as kids or like Home Improvement. Yes, and uh, a lot of TGIF yeah. stuff, just like uh-huh. that. Amer full house, that American full like house. upbringing. Our dad didn't really watch that stuff with us, but like our mom, it was like <laughs> our connection, like to I don't know, to like the American yeah. world. I mean, my brother and I too, like Simpsons and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Saved by the Bell, like it's just yeah, we wanted that American life. And we grew up with all, like, my mom didn't get babysitters. She would get like Moroccans, like there'd just be a new (laughs) Moroccan immigrant in our house. We wouldn't know their name. (laughs) And they're, they're in charge with watching us for the day and they don't know any English. And we didn't never learned any Moroccan or Arabic. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, we don't speak any No, I I know a few words, but I I guess when I was little, I would be like, I could understand it because Because your
0: mom would speak to you in that language.
1: And my grandma, my mom would leave me Uh... to like under my grandma's watch and she didn't know any like a word of English. Right. And so she, my dad would pick me up from my grandma's apartment in San Francisco Uh uh, to go home. And yeah. I would like say like, oh, she, she wants to know if you want like some food before you go. And he's like, how the hell do you know that? So he didn't care to learn Moroccan. It was so weird. Like he does he never went to Morocco and like we've been a bunch. He never uh-huh. cared to learn it and uh-huh. uh, doesn't, never tried the food once. And <laughs> the funny thing amazing. is, it's really good. But like all, all the Moroccans in our family think my dad is like the greatest guy. They're just like Joe. I think because he's American, it's like cool to them. Again, um, but they're just Cultural like Joe. Currency. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. So he got off easy in that in that respect. Like he's forever cherished by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but yeah, like we always had Moroccan uncles taking care of us, or or uh, aunts, or cousins, or distant relatives. And so it. Always, I we used to beg for like a white babysitter. But my mom's like, <laughs> I'm not buying. I'm not paying some random stranger to watch you guys. We got a family. A woman I trust. Yeah. <laughs> Khadijah's coming over. And we're like, not ah, Khadijah again. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah that's That's
0: typical. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like immigrants fall back on other immigrants. They become your your family outside yeah. of your actual home. You know. Yeah. They become your extended home
1: and they're in your community like you're moving exactly. to a new country you link up you with the people the, that are from where yeah. you're from you trust Did your them. family like have that like people from yeah. back home that yeah were their that friends was the
0: here? korean church that's like typical of uh, a lot of koreans it's like korean church is like your korean community and i'm not saying i don't think it's always good for that to happen you know like yeah. solar environments like that also even though they're community members there are plenty of fucked up people in the community you know yeah so um but there are some li- limitations but for the most part you know yeah like i understand why that happens and i think it's a good thing for them to have um more so than not i think but right right i, I did everything i could to get the hell away from that kind of thing when i turned 18 i was like I'm done with the church. I'm done with this. Goodbye.
1: What about yeah. like other kids like that? Were they, did you feel like a connection with them that were, you know, cause they probably hated it as much as you did.
0: No, some for them, they didn't have issues. Like huh. they were cool. They were cool with it. Yeah. Also like my family moved around too often, you know, okay. like, like in the prime years, like I immigrated to the States when I was five. So that's a big jump. But then, yeah. We moved again when I was. They moved my school like after like two years. It's like, why? We live in the same house. Like, why? So they do that. And that's why. Did you ever find out why? They, again, it's like asking my mom, why did you throw out my clothes? There's no reason (laughs) or rhyme. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, they moved again, you know, to Jersey for a bit. We went from Brooklyn to Jersey. And then Mm. three, four years later, when I was entering middle school, they took me. Back to New York, but like white New York, like white suburban New York, like all white. And going from like Korea to Brooklyn, where it's very diverse, to Jersey, where it was very Italian, very Korean, very like Latinx. And then suddenly to Irish, white and Jews in Rockland County, New York. That was like so shocking for me. Hmm. And I that made me like way more introverted and like. Yeah, changed me. And then, um, yeah, like, kept going to Korean church. But, yeah, I don't know. And then, like, when I went to – after college, um, there was still, like, a few girls that I continued to talk to. Like, we were close friends. Mm -hmm. But their values were so drastically different from mine, you know? Mm. Like, they were very conservative. Some of them were racist. Some of them were homophobic. And I was just like – man, like, I go to, like, gay bars, like, every Monday to see a drag show, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm dating, like, you know, all different kinds of guys, you know? Like, yeah. I don't want to be around, I don't want to be friends with people who are, like, haters, you know, haven't grown yeah. out of that mentality. Yeah. You know? So, I just had to, I was like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Move on. Yeah.
1: And what age was that? I
0: was, like, 24, I would say. That's when yeah. I said goodbye to the to those friends. But I said goodbye to the Korean church like when I was 18. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's mm. that's interesting because like I think yeah. it's it's hard to find like what mixture like racially and like perspective we're most comfortable with, you know, because mm-hmm. it usually has to do with your upbringing. Like um, I knew like there'd be like a white guy who transferred to my school who grew up like In Richmond and he was like god I've never been around so many other white people like I'm you I'm more comfortable being the only white person like at a party or in a classroom and uh I I don't like I grew up with a lot of rich white kids but I hate like I hate going back to Tiburon because it just reminds me of every way that I wanted to be like them and never quite feeling like I was and then Mm -hmm uh, ultimately realizing that they're living in this weird, like messed up bubble that isn't yeah. reality. And I yeah. don't want to like play with, you know, like, I don't want to be yeah. around them. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think my mom had the best intentions because she hurt in her mind. It was like, get them c- closest to the rich people mm-hmm. and they will have yes. the much better lives than we had as poor people. Yeah. And it's just not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you still aren't one of them and they suck. Like the richest people, my brother and I were like, I don't like, they have a huge house, but it's not worth hanging out with them. Yeah, they're all assholes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I think um, that's the upside to like having, you know, having immigrant parents is like they do enrich your life with difference and diversity. You know mm-hmm. that again, it was your norm growing up, but then as you get older, you see how that enriched you, and that yeah, that's a that helps you access other worlds yeah, way more easily. You know yeah. other differences way more easily than having grown up all insular in an all white environment. You know, and yeah, um, like I definitely resented my parents for you know that culture shock throwing me into white suburbia, but right. that was the same mentality. White yeah. suburbia is every person of color's goal. They think that's the yeah. American dream. But when yeah. I was in Atlanta, I heard this woman say, she was like, she's a black woman. She was like, when I, send my, when I was sending my son to school and I was choosing a school for my son, I made sure that the diversity rate was high in that school. Like I, she was looking for a certain, yeah, that's what she was looking for. She didn't care about admissions or da-da-da. She didn't care about that. Yeah. She cared about how diverse is this school? Is my son going to feel Happy here, and will have yeah. people he could relate to. And I was just like, "Man, Mother of the Year," you know. Yeah, like that, that's. It's... I will never forget that when she said yeah.
1: that. Yeah. yeah, and it is. I think it's too important to this day to like. I feel like as comedians, we kind of force ourselves to see every type of perspective, so that mm-hmm. we can, especially if like for our own purpose of like crafting material that everyone can appreciate. Mm -hmm. or at least that's my kind of uh, like Mm -hmm. where i want to play um but it is funny how some people just don't want to even try like i always want to try new things like Mm -hmm. and at the risk of looking stupid i think that's like my mom just put us in weird classes like we did (laughs) she wanted us to like you know i would be in like uh we did like a theater camp one summer and we did nice. like, uh, my mom put us in fencing one summer, <laughs> for like two months. She found this guy who was doing like one-on-one fencing training at the rec center and, uh, she was driving yeah. us home and she, she would always just drop us off at a place and we'd be like, no, yeah, you had, promised you no go say home. in the matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No say. And, and, uh, she, we did, uh, she told my brother and me, we can do fencing if we want. Uh-huh. And I'm I was very much like the easier kid in the sense of like all right let's you know mm-hmm. path of least resistance mom you, I'm I know I'm not going to win this battle let's, right. let's fencing sounds kind of fun to be honest <laughs> yeah like I'll, let's do it so let's try it um out. yeah so and my brother said no he's like I don't want to no fencing's <laughs> dumb count me out and so he uh-huh. had to sit at the rec center and watch me fence. Oh my God. And he's like, well, if I knew that was the other option, obviously I would have said yes. So he had to sit there while I did fencing lessons (laughs) and then she'd come pick us up and we did fencing for like two months. Yeah. It was so fun.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, again, that's another very like immigrant lady thing. Like they, again, they just hear it from somebody and they're like, why don't you try that? And then- you know, you took a billion different lessons and all different kinds of things that you never would have yeah. thought of, you know? that yeah. Actually, your white friends are kind of like, what? Yeah. Like, we just go to school and then we play sports at our school. Yeah. You go somewhere else and you take another class, like that's like inconceivable to them.
1: Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, we did horseback riding uh, <laughs> lessons because some oh, so girls- So you did like
0: shishi stuff.
1: Yeah, Hensei. well, because we lived in horseback Tiburon. Horseback riding. Yeah. 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 Uh, nice. Sailing. Sailing sailing and we hated we hated there were two yacht clubs in our town and we became members at one of them because my mom was friends with another mom who was like you guys are great (laughs) my husband's the head of the yacht club and we get to give one membership to uh, the family of our choice and we're picking you guys my mom can't swim my mom can't swim (laughs) My, we have never been on a, like a boat, you know, like at that point we do not boat. Yeah. So I was like, why are we doing this? You know? And I guess it was like, we're part of the community. It's the social mm-hmm. atmosphere. Sure. I think my mom's favorite part about the membership is like, hanging out at the bar and talking to the other like rich white women yeah. and yeah and we hate it like we hate her for like the people she mm-hmm. talks to They're trump support you know i'm like mom if of it was course. up to them you wouldn't be in this country uh yeah. but she's very like oh stay open to everyone i let anyone she always says it's like moroccan saying if there's a a man riding on a stick congratulate him on his horse and it's like let oh, wow. if people are being crazy who are you to try to convince them what the real world is? Like just let live in their world, let them be. Yeah. Uh and so uh we hate It's a like, beautiful
0: saying in a way, but kind I can of see the issues with it, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's more of like the path of least resistance. It's a way to survive, you know, mm-hmm. in a in a world where crazy people tend to be powerful. <laughs> uh so we, yeah, we, we go like once in a while to this yacht club for like a dinner and my brother and I dread it. We hate everyone in the building. Uh, wow. They're just like looking down at us and we used to have to do sailing lessons with these dickhead rich kids. Yeah. And uh, they were just so like mean. And and they uh, were
0: probably dressed differently from you too. Yeah. They had their boat shoes and their jackets and you guys yeah. were wearing like And whatever. their
1: parents were in it, you know, it was almost like a family yeah. tradition yeah uh, it is it's something
0: that they pass down onto their kids yeah they're gonna pass the boat down and they used to know how to use the boat
1: yeah or they'd be like you know they built like ships in the bottle with their grandpa they were like <laughs> white white you know and my brother and i like we didn't fucking we didn't go to you know s- squaw valley every winter you know like we didn't oh. every kid it just we felt so different yeah and uh we, our whole childhood, we, I kind of wanted to be like them, of course. Uh, and then, so then, as an and now and that never, you're older, you re- yeah, risen to that. and it led to more insecurity. So, like now, I'm looking back, like, God, I wish I could have yeah. told that kid, like, fuck them, fuck all these people, yeah. dude, don't worry yeah. about you Go know, but off. you live in your bubble, and the the best way to succeed is to be cool, like, be into what everyone else is into.
0: Yeah, in an insular environment like that, and when you're a child, yeah, and yeah. when you're an immigrant, yeah, I get it, yeah. I hundred percent get it, man.
1: And you're right, it is like the best intention. You know, like your best parents intention. were trying to get you that that life they that work. they saw on the cover of a Sears catalog, you know, and like the picket yes. fence and the Golden Retriever and the you know, but it's ha- just have like... you seen
0: that film, uh, Minari? It came out this year. No Steven is in it. I, I have like it a lot. It's a really beautiful film. If you like cinema, it's a really, yeah. really beautiful movie the soundtrack is amazing um and the, that soundtrack got shortlisted for an oscar the editing is amazing and I'll, it's okay. a very small small movie quiet movie subtle but it's like about like a korean immigrant family that's from california they moved to arkansas bumfuck arkansas and oh. they try to make it out there and uh it was like cathartic in a lot of ways for me watching that so oh, yeah. check it out if, if you have the chance to see it
1: um yeah i definitely will that sounds great
0: Let's, uh, let's get into some flashcard questions. So okay. what I do normally is like I usually have like four or five questions based on the show. And then I ask the guest like the scenarios and then you just answer what would you do if you were okay. in that situation. Um, and usually the questions are like four to five. But this show is very long and a lot of things happened. Yeah. <laughs> so-
1: I think I, my therapy session kind of uh, jumped into this, but thank you for letting, letting all of me visit.
0: Any communication of any kind is a form of therapy, so it's all good, man. It's all oh, gravy. Yeah. So let's do this. Um, let's say uh, you're an office clerk at a okay. law firm, and you're a simple working woman, okay? You don't really stand out. A lot of people walk all over you, okay? Yeah. They just think you're this passive little bitch. They just make you do coffee runs, personal errands, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there is this attorney guy, a lawyer, he takes a liking to you and he makes you feel good with this attention that he's showing you, right? Okay. And uh I don't know, I guess it was an office raffle and you won a trip, a free trip to Macau, okay? okay? Uh and you got two tickets, so you're like, why don't I bring him along? So you take this new boyfriend attorney guy that you just met, you know? Big uh, step. Why not? Okay. Yep yeah gonna take a trip you go you go to macau but then there was some confusion the night you arrived and you didn't get to spend the night with your man in your hotel room but the next morning when you arrive in your hotel room you see your man in your hotel room in your bed with another woman and that bitch is wearing your earrings what do you do
1: whoa okay so i'm a woman
0: yeah
1: and then Am I... Okay. Well, me and this guy haven't really hooked up yet. No. But he's hooking up with this bitch. Mm, Is she attractive? I might, you know... Hey. She's pretty... (laughs) We're in Macau. Uh, I'm just a clerk. You know, I'm actually looking for other employment. This could be a great, like, last hurrah. (laughs) Never talk to these people again. I'd be like, this is the perfect way... To end my relationship with this shitty company uh, is to have a threesome with <laughs> in Macaw <laughs> with uh, this couple apparently uh-huh. uh, I think that would be my go-to and then probably just stay or or wow. uh, come back come back alone <laughs> God that's a tough one. Okay. I mean, I guess my first question is, I'd go, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they're like, oh, and they're like run away scared, then mm-hmm. I think my reaction would change based on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God, I can't kick him off the trip. He's like my only, my only friend back home.
0: Mm. Well, well, let's, let's give That's you this tough scenario one. then. Okay, it is. Yeah. It's tricky. It's tricky. And a lot's happened, you know, um, a lot has so, okay. happened. Okay, A lot okay. has happened. I know. So, okay. Your, while your new boyfriend, this cheater guy, while he was sleeping with some other bitch in your, your hotel room, yeah, you, you were, you got drunk. You were accidentally roofied somehow. Okay. And you walked into another man's hotel room thinking that that was your room. Okay. That room just so happened to be unlocked. You thought it was your room. You, wandered in there the man that was sleeping in that room was also roofied by some strangers it's fucked up world out there and he was expecting his girlfriend to arrive from new york all right to join him okay Okay. but you end up in his bed and y'all end up fucking like the two of you had sex thinking that you know you were each other's partner and the next morning you wake up and you realize you slept with the wrong guy what do you do
1: I would assume, I feel like if I got roofied, whoever I'm having sex with is who roofied me. Like, I don't think there's like, I don't think anyone's just rebounding someone else's roofie shot. Um, I would would probably, truth be told, I would just, we'd probably come to an agreement that this never happened. And then we would just go our separate ways and Mm -hmm. live our lives. I mean, especially being outside of the country, It just feels more of a secure, remote, locked away memory uh, that I'd go. It it would just be, I don't even know what happened. Do you know what happened? No? Good. All right. Goodbye. Yeah. And then (laughs) just never even go back to that. that, I probably wouldn't even, I'd ask to move to a new floor and (laughs) would never, never see that, that guy again.
0: Okay. Fair deal all right okay so now you're a rich ceo okay Okay. you're a man you're a rich ceo of a huge cosmetics company they specialize in hair products like shampoo and shit okay your girlfriend the ballerina lady okay you planned a very big proposal for her in macau but she doesn't she doesn't show up okay? okay your girlfriend doesn't show up she flakes out she went back to new york to continue her ballerina career and she left you hanging right, what do you do?
1: I, you know, I'd be an understanding uh, CEO. I know I'm powerful, but I got to where I am because people supported me. Yeah. uh, Being insanely committed to what I do. (laughs) Ballerina's gonna ballerina. That's what I (laughs) always say. Ballerina's (laughs) gonna ballerina. So I, I'm well off. You know, this isn't a huge financial hit. I'm re, I'm pivoting. You know, mm. I I got this far because I know how to adapt mm-hmm. in a volatile market. Mm. I'm pivoting. I'm meeting her where the, the famous ballet shit's going down, and I'm repurposing and adjusting my proposal to fit where she's at mm. now. And then I'll share okay. photos of the proposal that we had planned, so that she go, Ooh. oh shit, you went all out. That's that's yeah. pretty special.
0: Okay, all right. So v- being understanding. All right, that's good. Yeah, got it. Okay. So you're the you're the same rich CEO guy, okay? Okay. You're back you're back in your home in Seoul. Okay. But that that lady that you slept with, okay, by accident, she's pregnant. Jeez. And her mom is livid and demands that you take responsibility and your grandmother also demands that you get married because if you don't produce an heir, right? If you don't produce a child, you lose your position at that company. Meanwhile, your girlfriend is still in New York. She still thinks you're together. What do you do?
1: Oof. I would, okay, I'd, I would call the girlfriend. Okay, I, I, here's my problem is, do I like the person I impregnated? Or no. is this like a terrible relationship?
0: It's not a terrible relationship. It's just that you're, you're in love with your girlfriend of six years.
1: This is going to sound really messed up but okay. uh, the circumstances give me no other option.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I am going to tell the other family that they will be taken care of. Oh. I am going to take the child and I'm going to raise mm. the child and I'm mm. going to convince my girlfriend that we adopted the child. And on oh. my deathbed, I'm going to tell the <laughs> truth.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. It's a great answer. Yeah. Got it. Shit, yeah, it's like a better show. Okay,
1: I'm am repenting at death. That's it. That's yeah, my that's yeah, my uh, yeah. get out of jail free card.
0: Yeah, yeah. At at on your deathbed, anything goes. It's okay. Yeah, that's, and the kid gets the to
1: the kid gets dad. You know, it's yeah. between mom or dad. Dad's a better life, presumably. I mean, they unless go. I'm raising it's you go. with all the rich kids and no diversity. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'll do my best to give you a full life and everything yeah. you need to not be a rich dickhead.
0: Exactly. do your best okay i like that answer okay so you're you're the pregnant lady now all right back to being you're back to the pregnant lady you and this rich guy you do get married okay okay but you know that his heart belongs to somebody else that Mm -hmm. ballerina chick back in new york and Mm. he makes it very clear to you that this is just a contractual marriage and hands you a document stating that you'll receive ample alimony but that you must give up your parental rights as the child's mother at some point after you give birth. What do you do?
1: Oof. How old's the kid at this point? I don't Probably know. A couple years in maybe? Yeah. God, I really want... You know, I feel like it's easy for me to say as Zach Chaploney, like, <laughs> take the money, give the kid a good life, but, you know, yeah. Zach Chaploney, the mother, is mm-hmm. is going to want to be in that kid's life. Mm. Um. So I would say deals off. Mhm. Go be with your girlfriend that you love, find your happiness. I want to raise my kid. Yeah. And uh if you want to help, you can help. If you don't, you don't have to, but know that I'm going to tell, you know, our son the fairest or or daughter the fairest uh, you know, recollection of how it all went down between mom and dad. Okay. I feel like that would put the dad in a tough spot, and he'd go, Well, I got to help because I don't want yeah. this kid coming back and killing me, you know, for <laughs> like vengeance or something.
0: Mm. Right. Okay. All right. So you're still the pregnant lady. Okay. okay? Your rich husband, he starts liking you now. He's like kind of into you now. All right. Mm. It's been a couple of months. He's a little bit more affectionate towards you. He goes to Lamas class with you. He buys you Whoa. food, takes you out. He's like in love with you. All right. Mm and you're in love with him you guys like each other so mm-hmm. you feel in your heart like this is gonna work out yeah but one one day your husband he just passes out in the middle of the street and then when he wakes up he lost all memory of the past three months he has no idea that you're accidentally his pregnant wife he, he has no recollection meanwhile his girlfriend from new york that ballerina chick She's back and she's sitting at his bedside and he thinks that they're still together.
1: What do you do? Whoa, This sounds like a fire <laughs> rom-com, but <laughs> I think I would, uh, does it, I, I would have to explain myself to the girlfriend, mm,
0: to
1: yeah. the ballerina, right? Cause she doesn't know our story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's probably keeping it from her. Mm-hmm. And then I would kind of explain to her like, look, this doesn't really concern you. Like he wanted, (laughs) he would have impregnated you if he saw that going anywhere, right? You know, the proof is literally in the pudding right here. I have the pudding. So uh, then eventually she'd probably be heartbroken. And I would say, look. I know you think you loved her, but we were actually in love. I don't know how to prove it, but mm. um, we could do like a DNA test, <laughs> <laughs> and you can see this kid that is a product of our love, and hopefully yeah. raising this kid together is something yeah. uh, you want. Also, ballet's boring, and we get to watch <laughs> fun stuff on Netflix. So,
0: yeah. So go fuck yourself. Yeah. Okay? Got it. All right. Damn, you're 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 a tough lady. Okay.
1: Yeah. I'm realistic. Right.
0: Mm. Okay. So, all right. You're back to being this rich guy. All right. Okay. Your memory is back. Got it yeah. back. <laughs> okay. But you understand. All right. The reason why you lost your memory in the first place is because genetically, this is a thing. It's in your family. Okay. You all have early onset Alzheimer's. Shit. Right? Okay. This plagued your father, all of your forefathers and it comes around like in your mid thirties. That's when you forget your whole family and you eventually die. (laughs) Okay, this has just been the pattern. Uh, So you start to plan out your own death and you write a will with your attorney in secret and say half of everything will go to your wife and child, but you break up with your wife because you don't want to cause her any pain with your Mm. early onset Alzheimer's, okay? And then you tell your wife, you lie to her face And you tell her that you don't want to be with her and you don't want this child. You want nothing to do with it. You just end it with her. Okay? Okay. The same night that you dump your pregnant wife. Okay. She's crossing the street and she gets hit by a car.
1: Holy shit.
0: (laughs) And because of the anesthetic during surgery, your unborn child dies. (laughs) And you're you're at your wife's bedside and she just wakes up from surgery and she asks you, where's the baby? What do you
1: do? I would go, okay, you're going to need to listen closely because I don't know if I'm going to remember this story a second time. <laughs> Maybe we'll record this. <laughs> but you've been hit by a car. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you, but I have dementia. I'm not going to remember shit. If you don't remember who I am, this is probably the best case scenario. You were a mom, you're not anymore, hopefully you forget motherhood. Uh, I, I'm i going to leave you twice as much money as I was going to leave you before, <laughs> so I hope you like money uh, because half of it was going to go to our kid who isn't here anymore he's or she's in heaven and um i i i think i'm gonna go spend the rest of my years partying uh and then you'll have money and party when you get out of this whole thing go party go find love live a full (laughs) life it's what i wanted for you anyway uh now you have double the funds to do so
0: (laughs) okay okay so you let her go all right
1: yeah, and I'd keep and I'd keep paying her because I feel like a big part of giving leaving money to her was because she's the mother of my child. Now right. she's no longer the mother of my child, so yeah. Still, she's she's still the same person, so I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. leave the money with her.
0: Okay, so you're a good guy. Yeah. All right. Okay. Final question. All right. You're the the rich guy still. The same same rich guy. Okay. It's been it's been okay. three years after you and your wife broke up. Okay. You okay. haven't seen her this whole time because she went to Paris for three years. Okay. She comes back, and your ex wife, she's back. She looks all hot. <laughs> she's super successful, huge artist, like world renowned. And okay. she looks more desirable to you than ever. Okay. But considering your history, you don't have the guts to ask her back. In the meantime, there's another very famous artist. Good looking guy. He proposes to your ex-wife. Oh shit. What do you do?
1: Um man. <laughs> I mean, if I don't have the guts to talk to her, I can't. I also can't do the I feel like if I went to their wedding and did like, no, I object she would be like, no, I don't choose you. <laughs> I want this artist. <laughs> and then I would just have to stand at the wedding and be like, fair enough, enjoy <laughs> So happy for you both. Uh, okay. So I think I would just, I'd have to sit back and let them get married because I can't, mm-hmm. she, there's no way she'd wanna be with me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: i tell you what, I'd give mm-hmm. her the option. Mm-hmm. I'd say, uh, hey, you know, I wish you nothing but the best. Uh, I still love you, Mm -hmm. but my love for you means most of all, I want you to be happy. So if your happiness is in a life with this young fucking artist, (laughs) what's an artist then? I mean, you're an artist. This guy's a fucking fraud. Uh, I hope you two are happy together. Um, but if, if you feel the same way about me, then I think you should call the wedding with him off.
0: Oh, very nice. You're you're a really nice uh, CEO, rich guy.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm kind of nice. I, <laughs> I bailed on my wife who just recovered from a car accident so I could go party <laughs> my last few brain cells away. It's not really <laughs> the nicest thing to do. <laughs> but, but I'm glad you feel that way.
0: Okay, sweet. All right, well, that wraps up the flashcard series. Thank you. Thank and, um, you. Thanks. Thanks for chatting with me. This was great.
1: This was so great. I, I really, uh, you, uh, you carry a conversation. Like I don't know. It feels like time flew by. So
0: yeah, it was fun.
1: Um, thanks for thanks for having me on.
0: Next week, I'm going to talk to one of my favorite people of all time. So you guys are super lucky. I'm going to be talking about uh, very, <laughs> very intense drama called stairway to heaven starring chiju and quen sangu and it's gonna be a roller coaster of a ride so tune in next week and we'll discuss stairway to heaven it's gonna be a blast if you have not subscribed on the youtube channel please do follow me on tiktok instagram and twitter i don't know i am thinking of like making this no longer available on uh, amazon music sorry it's just because like i'm paying like 12.99 a month to make it available on amazon and like some of these other things it's just not worth the money because i have literally four listeners on amazon so i'm going to be getting rid of that i'm sorry if you're listening from amazon if you are You could watch it on YouTube. You could listen on Spotify. You could listen on Apple. You could listen on Anchor, okay? So you have these other outlets. So I'm sorry, but tune into those. You could even listen on Google Play or whatever. Just like listen to those things. I'm not gonna pay $12.99 a month for that shit anymore. It's just not worth it to me anymore. The other thing I'm considering is um, I'm sort of at the halfway mark. So it's June now. I started this podcast in January. I'm thinking of at some point, I don't know, I don't know when, but at some point I'm going to th- I'm thinking of doing a season 2 and revamping this whole format because it, this now that we're out of the pandemic and now that I'm like you know going to be hitting the road again and I- I'm working on other shit, I just don't know if I have the time and the wherewithal to be editing these long ass interviews anymore. So in season 2 this might be a lot more compact and dense. The other issue is I'm running out of TV shows that I like, okay? Like literally netflix has been making the shittiest the shittiest korean dramas i'm sorry netflix but you like you guys really fucked up the game all right like if you guys listen to the episode with shin ho lee episode 20 you guys already heard from the horse's mouth that south korean TV network executives are extremely misogynistic and they want to replace all the female protagonists or the female driven narratives with male protagonists and male driven narratives, which doesn't work in a Korean drama because Korean dramas were made for female audiences with female protagonists. And that's what made it good. That's what made it a Korean drama. But now that they're trying to switch it up and like... Emulate Sopranos and like Mad Men and Breaking Bad, like all this shit, like all the FX shit, the AMC shit, and and Korean writers are not used to that. It's starting to suck. Like it's really starting to suck. So I'm running out of TV shows that I want to watch. Like every single Netflix Korean drama that I tune into, like I stop within the first three minutes because it's so bad. Right? Like I I've been trying to finish Vincenzo for months for months usually if a korean drama is good i'll finish it in like over a weekend over a weekend i'll have notes i'll be done with it over a weekend but vincenzo has been fucking my days up i can't get through it Uh, this the show sucks what can i say so all this is to say that i'm not sure about the future of K Drama school podcast i will be switching things there will be some revamping but at the very least, until episode 28, um, they will continue in this format. So just, I don't know, you guys, send your thoughts and prayers or requests. You know, you could give me ideas, give me requests, give me, give me something. You could email me at kdramaschool at gmail.com and, and just dialogue with me, like soundboard. Give me some ideas. Tell me what you want and I will meet you where you're at. I am happy to do this, all right? I am malleable. I am, I am good with adjustment. I would like to adjust to you and your needs. So those are the things that are on my plate right now. Those are the things that I'm thinking about. Um, so be patient with me uh, and just, I'm saying all this to say like, I warned you, all right? Like if things suddenly change or suddenly stop, I'm, it won't be a surprise anymore. Because i talked about it in episode 24 so there that is thank you so much for listening you guys are the best i will see you all next week